Hey team, this is Jared. This is Suspending Disbelief, the podcast. I recorded this a hot minute ago with my friend Amina from the Dream World podcast. You can check her out on her TikTok or Instagram and her podcast is all over. It's called Dream World Podcast. You can find her under the same name on Instagram and TikTok. I have been sitting on a lot of recordings of different podcast episodes without wanting to record the intro. I hate doing this for some reason. I really just dislike it. I hardly remember the conversations. I know they're awesome. And so I just want to introduce them and get it out there. But I feel like I'm supposed to do some sort of like summary or something, but I'm not going to do that. We talk about dreams. I get very excited. I talk a lot at the beginning. Disclaimer, I talk a lot at the beginning because this was originally for her podcast, not mine. And so I was the interviewee. And so I talk a lot, but we thought it would be fun to share it on both of our podcasts. So I talk a lot about a dream that I'm excited about. She talks a lot about lucid dreaming, lucidity. She works much more with the lucid dreams than I do. I don't get lucid as often. And so we talk about how we work with dreams respectively. And if you're interested in dream work, or if you're interested in anything really related to um, dreams, this should be a good time for you. So strap yourself in, suspend your disbelief and enjoy the podcast. good how are you good can you hear me okay yeah just fine how about me perfect sorry about any background noise that's all right where are you at um i had to come to a mcdonald's for some wi-fi because i was having issues at home (laughs) nice yeah no worries getting it done exactly gotta do what you gotta do you know yeah (laughs) cool i'm excited to talk to you today and record this podcast and everything yeah, me too. I'm really, really stoked to, ha- uh, to have the opportunity. And uh, I honestly, if I could just talk about this stuff all day, every day for the rest of my life, I would. Yeah, me too. Well, that's the goal, right? Yeah. <laughs> cool. You have a podcast too, right? Yeah, I just started it. I literally just posted my third episode, like right now. I just nice. posted it. So um, very, uh, yours is very structured, I feel like, and edited and mine's very um chaotic like I am it's really I'm just figuring it out as I go honestly like I'm still kind of learning how to edit and like you know I'm starting to listen to other podcasts so I can get an idea of like how to like cook and like do the beginning intro and stuff so yeah yeah well I, I listened to a few of your episodes and I recall being impressed with the production so I think you're doing oh, good thank you thank you I appreciate I, that I studied audio and like have been working in the music industry for the last 10 years. Um, I don't like editing, um, but I'd like to think that I have a good ear for like good production, but who knows? Yeah, I, I believe it. Yeah, I use um, Adobe Audition Adobe Audition to edit. Yeah, cool. Very cool. Awesome. Well, I mean, really, we can start whenever you're ready and we'll just kind of make it like a casual combo. Just talk about cool stuff. Yeah, cool. I mean, I... Uh, I'm uh, ready whenever you are. I had a pretty crazy dream last night. Not that crazy, actually, but it's I have like these calls and responses in my dreams where I'll be called to to do something. And then when I do it in real life, 
I get kind of a resolution like thank you for my dream um and I had one of those last night which felt really good um and I haven't even voiced it yet right like I just wrote it down but I haven't really even like thought about it since so um it'd be interesting to dive in there to there but I wanted to ask you before because I could go on a train one direction but I like want to make sure you're not specifically interested in me talking about um any I'm of not the picky. That I, it doesn't here. matter. I love the topics, but yeah, I just kind of just as a general idea. But we could. I would love to hear about your dream and wherever that takes us. Honestly, it's cool with me. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um. Well, yeah. So that dream, like, I want to tell you the original dream. This. So I work with my dreams. Just first of all, so I'm Jared, and I like really, really. Well, I struggled with hardcore addiction for ten. 10 years, alcohol, drugs, anything that could regulate my emotional state. I really did not like feeling things and blah, blah, blah. Um, I got sober four years ago. And in that process, I got very interested in Carl Jung. And I got, I found like a Jungian analysis and got really into dream work. He's like a really big dream. He's a dream shaman. He studied like dream shamanism in Africa. And is we go, when I do a session with him, we just go back into my dream right and he guides me through the dream it's very very interesting and uh i've built a very strong relationship with my um with my dream world like he he is about machiel clerk is his name he's about to release a book called dream guidance and it's a, he he calls it like the wise counselor like we have this wise counselor inside of us that's ready to answer any question if we if we really want to know we just have to ask um and uh, anyway, so I've been doing that, but also studying all of these other things. But this specific dream that I'm going to tell you is like just one aspect of how I've used my dreams because it's helped me in every aspect. Like I've worked through complexes with nightmares. I've worked through um, like physical pain, like foot pain and stomach pain. I've been able to like pinpoint what the issue was based on it like asking my dream and getting responses from my dream and stuff and uh and i um really really am fueled by dreams like i kind of tap into a source of energy just through my dreams which i really like so this one was kind of like um helping me with some unconscious content some shadow work right um and I, uh, so I had this dream four days ago, maybe where I was in a tree house and I'm like a kid and there's a big Rottweiler, like a scary, loud, sharp teeth, black dog, like big, right? Like almost as big as I am. And he's, he's, we're up in a tree house. And so, um, I'm like super scared and I push him like his teeth are, He's holding on to like this part of the treehouse with his teeth like hanging from the treehouse, and I like push him off, and he falls. And I and in the dream, I realize like I've been doing this many times, where like he keeps getting up there, and I keep pushing him off. Um, and he falls, and I notice he falls right in front of this security guard that's like patrolling the base of the treehouse. And uh, and and I'm like, shoot, he's gonna come after me because he has some sort of relationship with this with this dog 
And so I start running and I'm gathering all my stuff. I'm putting all my clothes in like these, this basket. And I run upstairs, like there's a multiple story tree house, which but I, for some reason, I really like tree houses. I don't dream about them often, but it's a very playful childlike place for me to be. I made a lot of tree houses when I was a kid. Um, and uh, so I run upstairs and then I'm like hiding and he comes around and runs into this um this homeless man who i didn't realize was also in this treehouse but he's like hey what are you doing here the security guard's asking the homeless man he's like oh i live here like um and he's like where's your stuff he's like i don't have any stuff and then so then they both are like oh well let's find this kid and so they're like searching for me and i just start running and running and running and i'm like the rest of the dream is just me running away right like hiding and hiding which I don't have that dream very often. So I woke up kind of like startled at the very end because I, it started to be like my parents' basement and I was just running and running and like practicing opening the windows to get out of them quickly. Like I, I was like all of this preparation to run from thing from the security guard. And, uh, and I woke up in the middle of the night and this is how I work with my dreams. I know you do a lot of lucid dreaming, but I actually get so excited when I find out I'm lucid that I wake up and I, I, I have such like a good relationship with the way I dream right now that I haven't worked on that yet. I'm, I'm excited to talk. I want to hear more about your relationship because I think it would be fun for me and explorative to develop that. But anyway, so I wake up and I'm in the real world and I, I realize I'm safe. And then I all, I go back into the dream. That's how I work with my dream. Like I will, wake up, I sit up, I typically write it down really quickly. And then once I feel safe, I will essentially like in that, what you told me the name of the word, I, I call it hypnagogic, but you're, you told me that that's the falling from wakeful into sleep. What's the other word? Hypnopompia. It's the opposite waking up. Hypnopompia. Pompia. Yeah. Hypnopompia. Yeah. Okay. I need to remember that. Cause I've, since you told me I've been talking about that very thing like four different times and I'm like I'm not saying this right but anyway I don't even know if I'm saying it right so <laughs> I think I it's mean, hypnopompia yeah that's how it looks at least yeah now. um so I go back into the dream and I the first thing I do is I turn around so I go back to where he's chasing me right and I turn around because like that's I just have learned over time that that's where the information is is in that interaction of being chased so I turn around and at this point, it's like my active imagination, but I am very sleepy still, right? This is like three, four in the morning and I'm, I'm slipping right back in. So it's like, I let my imagination kind of just take it and go with it. And uh, I turn around and I face the security guard and he like, all of a sudden has this compassionate, like almost worry about me. And I also realized that he just loves the dog. He really loves the dog and he really wants me to treat the dog um, with respect. And so he kind of comes towards me and he puts his arm around me like a father figure kind of, and is like, Hey bud, like, why are you treating the dog so poorly? Like he's kind of, you know, he's stern, but he's like compassionate. It's really interesting. And, uh, and I'm like, well, he keeps trying to bite me. Like I'm terrified of this dog, right? Like it's scary. His teeth are super sharp. Um, and, uh, he, and he tells me, this is in my active imagination, but the dream character, the security guard tells me 
the dog just wants just doesn't know it's um i'm trying to think of exactly what he said it was something like the dog doesn't know where he is on the hierarchy he doesn't know that if you are like he just needs to know that you are in charge and he's just trying to establish that relationship um and you're running away and not establishing a dominance over this dog and that's causing the dog not to know how to interact with you um which i then had a a a flashback memory of my brother who had just met my girlfriend's dog and like he said told the dog to sit and he said it like very very powerfully right but i noticed next to him i was like oh he's like full of compassion my brother and i was very impressed i was like he's like really good at um telling a dog to sit which sounds weird but i didn't i never had dogs growing up i never experienced like a masculine or like a dominant um relationship with the dog i've always kind of just let other people do that and uh anyway so this dream character literally was telling me like there's this dog in me that is um obviously i kind of reference a lot of how my symbols have showed up in my dreams prior to this but it's very very obviously a instinct like a lower um mammalian instinct in me like obviously for me it's obvious that it's probably like sexually related or um like sexual drive type of things and uh that there's this relationship that i have with that part of me that is um unsure of the dynamic like whether it's in charge or like my higher consciousness is in charge right and uh which is a very interesting thing i grew up mormon lots of sexual repression all of these different things right but um so I like hear my brother saying sit to this dog and I realize like that's the relationship I need to have with my own like instinctual sexuality which is interesting it's a compassionate that's the main important part it wasn't aggressive it was very compassionate but telling it like I'm the boss and like you need to do you need to sit you know <laughs> um, anyway so that was like really this is like my dreams show up like this where they're kind of like showing me where I'm not quite aligned and I need to to work on these things and so I spent the last few days really like um practicing this this sounds kind of weird now that I'm saying it out loud I haven't talked to anyone about this but like I've been like looking in the mirror and being like sit but I'm practicing the compassionate part right like you could tell some a dog to sit and be almost like like rude or toxic or like uh tyrannical or something right but to like i watched my brother do it and he did it so compassionately it was really interesting yeah. i feel like the dog feels the energy too right like definitely energy. yeah and the compassionate thing well i don't i don't know if i told you this but he had just met this dog the dog doesn't like people very often he did that and she immediately sat and like like fell in love with them you know like it just it worked really well and so I was like wow like this is 
I felt the energy because I was so close to him. And I'm like, I was very impressed with my brother. He's my little brother too. And I, um, I was, I guess, yeah, like, huh, I don't have that relationship with my, what I would oversimplify. I oversimplify a lot of things. I know there's more nuance to it, but like, I call it my masculinity, right? Like masculine energy. I don't know. There's a tyrannical part, a toxic masculinity, but there's also a very positive masculinity. And I saw it come out in him, like a dominance that's very positive. Um, and in the dream, it's like, hey, that's the relationship you need inside of yourself towards some of these more instinctual parts of you. Um, because it's all about trying to get along, especially in me. I have so many moving parts that are all fighting each other. It's all like the last four years has been, has been about getting those parts of me to all get along. Like I have a voting system now for I've, I've personified all the different parts of me and using dream work, right? And been able to give certain ones votes. Like you get a couple votes. The surfer Jared doesn't get any votes because all he wants to do is go smoke weed and like, you know, not do anything productive. And so I'm like, I get it, dude. Like, but we did that for the last 10 years. We're going to give some of the other people more votes. Um, and uh, so I was working on this over the last four days. And then this morning I had a dream of walking through an alley with a group of friends and coming up on like these big shadow figures that then like beat us up like mugged us and uh and then i i woke up right after that but not really i woke up like a false wake up which i've not actually experienced very often and uh and then i went back into the dream so like from the false wake up i went back into the dream with a dog which is really interesting so i brought izzy the the dog from real life um back into the alley and she was able to like protect us um and then i false woke up again and izzy the dog came and like hugged me it was really actually kind of weird like the dog hugged me like almost a human would hug me it's very dream weird right but um but it was so comforting like i i was like in an embrace like it snuggled up she snuggled up to me and it was like this warm embrace of this dog and uh and that meant a lot to me because I haven't ever had a relationship like that with a dog. And so this um, metaphor of like connecting with a part of me that just needed um, some like parenting almost, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. And, yeah. Anyway, so that, that was my last four days of dream work, which it's pretty constant. It's very fun. That's cool. I think it's really awesome how you have like a good relationship with your dreams where like you understand what it's trying to tell you because a lot of people they have these recurring scary situations and they don't have the ability to like tap in and understand like their own language, you know, like you're tapped in it. That's super cool. Um, the false awakenings is such a confusing thing. Also, it's, it can be so like confusing. Um, yeah, no, yeah, I think people can get really, really uh, scared of that. I actually was answering a TikTok the other day because I use a lot of intuition. I don't know for sure. I'm very like, I TikTok's not a very good platform to be like, this is one answer, but it might not be like the full answer, right? But I was telling someone that 
false awakenings to me seem somewhat like the unconscious mind, the dream world is really trying to keep you in it because it has something really important to tell you. So the false awakenings to me are like, no, 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 like not yet. You know, we got more to work to do here. Um, we really need you to feel this emotion. Like I think of dreams very much so as an intelligent part of the psyche um, bringing to you what it is you need to become conscious of. Yeah, it's definitely like you said earlier, like your internal therapist, that's such a good way to put it. And like the more you tap in, like it's like it becomes conversational, you know, your dreams will show you, but you have to pay attention to it. Um, and like, you know, I know you said, you you know, you kind of wanted to get into lucid dreaming, which is super cool. It opens up a whole like new interaction with the dream. But I've always like, just as much as I love lucid dreaming, I love my regular non-lucid dreams as well. Because when you're lucid and you have control and you know that you're dreaming, you know, you kind of take over the script. You don't really have leave room for the dream to show you, you know, what it wants to show you. So, you know, there's benefits of both for sure. Yeah, I've actually thought a lot about that. I've talked about this on TikTok too, where it's like, I feel that lucid dreaming is asserting the will of my ego into the dream world. And that can be very explorative and fun because I could interact with unconscious characters, right? Um, and when I say, I want to be sure to let people know that and to let you know that when I talk about like psychological terms and stuff, like there is a lot of depth to the framework I use, which is Jungian psychology in it like is very spiritual. So it sounds like I'm like over rationalizing things sometimes, but uh, I just want to let people know that I'm actually very open to not what I would call irrational, but I would call non-rational, like yeah. the, the other side. Yeah, me too. Because I mean, I'm a scientist. I have a background in psychology, neuroscience as well. I study that, but I kind of took it further and like, I'm very spiritual as well. And I just understand that there's so much more to reality than just our physical reality our dreams don't really operate on logic and rationality sometimes so you have to be able to like look outside the box and like know that there's so much that we don't know right i actually think that fundamentally uh, a sickness that has happened in our culture in the western culture is a repression of non-rationality so we overvalue rationality and that actually manifests in the lack of interest in the dream world which is really yes yeah it's it's crazy how much like you know people value science and evidence a lot which i do as well but we have to understand that science and what we consider scientific facts is just what a bunch of people came together and studied you know science only goes as far as what we know as humanity you know right. which is very limited and so yeah you have to take that a step further and and see the bigger picture you know just to be open to it, you know, because yeah, our dreams have so much to show us. We just can't think of it so rationally or um, literally sometimes. Yeah, right. And going back to the lucid dreaming and like opposing my will into an, a lucid dream, um, it's really exciting in theory for me to be able to ask a dream character, like, who are you? Like, what part of you are, what part of the unconscious are you? Are you in my personal unconscious are you some type of you know deeper collective being or archetype um and uh what's but what's like you were saying what's interesting about not lucid dreaming letting the dream world dream like the unconscious kind of speak its own language to you it, it feels like i'm 
participating by setting aside my ego and allowing but but i think that there's a, a applicability or a usefulness to both of those things yeah yeah because when you bring your ego into that space it kind of becomes a little experiment like you already know what you need to work on what areas you want to address more and then you can look deeper into that or if you're like you were saying you're having a recurring nightmare or something like that when you're lucid and you become lucid in that recurring nightmare you can kind of approach it differently because you're not scared anymore you can experiment and like like you were saying asking dream characters stuff and like picking their brains I love doing that it's so fun and what I've come to realize is that there are like and I made a video about this I do feel like there are different types of characters in your dreams like there are I some, watched that. Yeah. yeah there are some that are just a projection of our subconscious and our you know reiteration of our memories but there are some that really do feel like they have their own thoughts and their own minds and I've had dream characters tell me like oh yeah I know what dreamers are they're kind of annoying because when they become lucid they do crazy stuff in my town or whatever stuff like yeah. that or they've told me like oh like don't you know don't tell anybody <laughs> that you're lucid because you know they'll kick you out and they have kicked me out of the dream before so like you know it, it really makes me feel like there's like levels to it like you were saying there's like you know energies beings entities whatever you call them that kind of like live there and tap into our dream spaces there's like a collective and en and energy there yeah but i i completely agree i didn't mean to say but the uh there's so many ways to conceptualize it right like you're saying like there's beings or angels demons all of the the words that we've been using for thousands of years uh the archetypes like Jung would call them there's this um the interesting thing about it is that I do believe that our individual experience like our own ego let's say will maybe conceptualize or what's the word I'm looking for they'll visually see like let's say me and you went into the deep collective unconscious and we met the same um archetype or angel or whatever we might actually see it completely differently right like it might be a different imagery um and that's what people i don't think understand about the unconscious is that it's a different i feel like it's a different dimension right like it's outside of time it's like you can actually experience yesterday and tomorrow um and there's actually this is like you know i just finished carl jung's theory on synchronicity and he really was he him and einstein would sit around and talk about relativity um, and it got young thinking all about the relativity of the psyche, specifically to like time space, very interesting stuff, but super cool. I love that type of stuff. It's, it's so crazy to me, not, not even crazy, but just so fascinating. Mm -hmm. It is a little crazy, like in a, in the best way yeah. I actually, it makes me think of the original. Oh, so I was listening to someone, I think is, I think it was Michael Mead is his name. He's a psychoanalyst um or analytical psychologist different than freud it's jungian uh he was telling me that the word weird which i kind of think of crazy and weird as being similar in a sense but the original welsh meaning of weird meant to have one foot in the dream world and one foot in reality wow i'm weird i knew it uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it's that's awesome i didn't know that yeah I really like that I was like yeah I've always felt like I was weird and now I know why I literally I tell people all the time that I live in the dream world part-time I mean we spend a third of our lives asleep that's like a really big chunk like a third that's crazy yeah yeah you know sleep has turned to be a very important part of my life right like I will not stay up late just to you have keep a dream time. journal too you write your dreams down 
Yeah, I do. I most of the time I actually was listening to I think you were talking about it on one of your podcasts, but you use like an app that then you could reference specific symbols and like do this thing. But I've always done that by hand. Yeah, what's it called? It's called Oniri. Look, I, this is all my dreams I have written. There's so many. Yeah, um, I, but by hand is cool too. Whatever works for you, you know. But I I liked the idea because I've had to read through my dreams and I had to take a separate sheet and write like every time I see a car, right? And then like I did tallies and I and it gets I'm not actually very good at that analysis stuff. So I uh, was when I heard you say that I was like, oh, I could have a computer do it for me. You know? Yeah, yeah, you would like it. It's called Oniri, and you How can you pick O N I R I. Like the word comes from the word honornaut, which if you it means dream traveler, honornaut. Oh. like yeah. So Oniri, O N I R I. It's a cool. iPhone app. Yeah, it's like you can pick emotions, you put objects, characters, and then you can search by keywords. So it's really convenient for me because I always look back. If I have a dream and I'll be like, this reminded me of another dream. Or if I have a moment in real life that reminds me of a dream, I'll like search it and reread it. And it, it always brings up like more, just information. Yeah. Something I don't do enough is go back and reference things that come up. Like just the other day, I had a dream where I haven't smoked marijuana in four years as well as alcohol. And I, I have dreams often and I didn't realize this. So the point of me bringing this up was that I didn't realize this until I had this dream the other day and then realized that this same symbol shows up over and over and over again, which is me loading like a bowl or something and offering it to people and then having them deny it. Um, but then me never smoking. I never smoke in my dreams, but I'm always trying to offer it to people. Um, and I, I dreamt that and I was like, whoa, I do this all the time in my dreams. Like, that's kind of weird, but um, I still don't really know what it means. But Interesting. I mean, definitely. If you, um, I have also like a similar thing like you, like I've, I smoke weed still and I've been trying to cut back, you know, for personal reasons, for dream reasons. But yeah, does it affect your dreams a little bit? It does. Like I can't I don't dream at all. And that sucks. Right. You know, like I love my dreams. And so, um, yeah, it's, you know, THC suppresses your REM sleep and it just knocks you out usually. I mean, I have had lucid dreams um, after I smoked before bed. I have, but it's possible, but it's more difficult, you know? Yeah, it, chemically, I think. like, like yeah, exactly, saying, yeah. It actually holds you from REM, which is unfortunate because you need that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, but yeah, and then I guess I also wanted to tell you a little bit about um, what you said earlier about the stabilization when you become lucid. Um, you know how you were saying that when you realize that you're dreaming, you just wake up immediately or you get excited or whatever. I get so excited. Yeah, yeah, it's very common. That's so common. And like it happened to me as well when I first started trying to lucid dream because I used to have spontaneous lucid dreams like growing up and stuff. Um, but then when I started they're like, well, I can induce this on purpose, um, you know sorry about the crying baby <laughs> um so what happens is you know you have to you're in your dream body right you're no longer in your physical body so the idea of stabilization or stabilizing the lucid dream is to like you know stabilize your dream body so what you can do is focus on your five senses you know you have touch smell taste um hearing whatever so what i do is like i feel my hands or like if there's a texture around me like i'll just like you know, like so vividly admiring it and like really feeling the texture. And then that makes the dream like immediately more vivid, more stable. You won't wake up because you want to take a deep breath. You know, you already are excited. So you want to stay calm, take a deep breath. And before you like rush to go do things, like you were saying, before you go exert your ego into the dream, just observe and take it in, you know, like yeah. 
through your senses and also through the standing there and just looking around and like literally stabilizing, like get, taking a second to take a deep breath. Sometimes I'll like lick the floor or something, you know, just <laughs> to kind of like really feel everything around me. And then sure. that, that really helps. That's interesting because I, I conceptualize that. And I'm like, it makes sense. We do that in reality to become more grounded in reality. Yeah, it's mindfulness, basically. Right. Um, but the funny thing is, is that I'm really bad at doing that in reality. And it probably is a big reason why I'm not good at staying in a dream world, too, because I, I have a hard time staying in this reality um, or this like, yeah, I and it's funny because that's what I'm working on right now is being way more conscious of being in my body. I've spent the last 30 years of my life. I'm 31, uh, trying to be out of my body. I don't like being in my body cause it, I don't like how strong I feel things, but, uh, I think eventually it will be a, some sort of blessing, but yeah, definitely. I mean, it's a journey, you know? Um, but what I found is being in that lucid body and spending more time lucid, I feel like it, it'll help you in a new journey within your dreams because you'll still always have your regular lessons within your dreams. But now you have a whole other area of things you can explore while lucid, you know, in your dream body. Yeah. Yeah. There's been times like the last time I almost got lucid, I was like walking through some chamber. Like it felt like Greece, like in ancient Greece. And I, was walking through like these pillars and then there was like some like a group of people or maybe it was just one guy or something and he like was like in a hot tub and he's like come have a bath with me or something and I I was like whoa this is a dream um and then I woke up and I was really sad because I I was gonna go hot tubbing in Greece it was like very interesting <laughs> that would have um, been cool yeah it was very funny it was very like um very interesting yeah but, well, you uh, were close you were close so that's still a success yeah yeah i i haven't really tried since then i have a, the interesting thing is i work so much with my dream but i also have a lot of issues with sleeping i have a lot of anxiety in the nighttime with like restless leg syndrome which i don't adhere to sin like i don't like being diagnosed with things um so part of me is also like, what is that energy trying to get me to do, right? Like, what is it that my body, maybe I'm just um, sleeping too much and it wants me to get up and write. Cause like, I never write except for in the middle of the night. It's like the only time I will have focus or something inward or inwardly, you know? Yeah. I like how you say that. What is the energy trying to get me to do? That's a good way to look at it. Yeah. I mean, my, my therapist, Machiel, he's helped me a lot. Like when I first went to him, uh, he's talking about depression, right? It's like, I don't want to be depressed. Um, obviously. And he was like, well, I'm does a tree in the winter sit and try to will leaves onto, um, onto its branches all winter long. Um, and we started discussing that concept of like during the winter, a tree actually moves its energy down into its root system um, and works on grounding itself more than an outward extroversion, if you will. And uh, so he's like, well, what if we look at it this way, where it's like your energy is moving? What is it moving to? What is it trying to get you to do? Right. And a lot of people talk about this with depression, that things become a lot more realistic. People have like there's studies done that people who are experiencing depression actually look at the world in a much more 
what's the word I'm looking for? I want to say practical. Um, it's a little pessimistic maybe, but like uh, grounded where there's less optimism and less um, like, what's the word? Not fantasy, but like, um, like we move through the world with a lot of big ideas, if, if you will. We get very excited about things. We think grand if we're in a really good place we're like we think bigger than what reality is typically right like we we shoot for the stars and we hit the moon or whatever um but when you're depressed you can kind of see things how they actually are uh and so if you're moving through these cycles you can use for me this is what i do when i'm low i use that to make sure that my finances are getting like my financial needs are getting met like actually to be like okay wait hold on because when I'm like up in the clouds, I don't pay attention to money. I don't do those yeah, things. True. You got to do the groundwork, you know, stay grounded with your head in the clouds. Right. And usually I'm depressed and it's like, oh man, I don't have enough money, this and that. But that's the funny thing is that my attention is redirected towards making sure that I can, that I'm uh, financially structured and like emotionally and physically grounded you know what i mean it's really interesting um it's also i'm not saying that depression is like not real but i think there's utility or you can find utility in most energy most definitely things. yeah and it's definitely like a perspective thing as well you know I've, I've been there too and yeah sometimes it just takes you know looking at the bigger picture you know to pull yourself out of something like that yeah or even letting it naturally cycle out of it because i think for me it's i fight it a lot and it actually kind of feedback loops and makes me feel worse um whereas if i and this is it's always a struggle to accept where you're at kind of for me and uh if i'm able to do that it's almost like i live in utah we have all four seasons and when i'm in winter i really i don't like winter i don't like real winter and uh if I just try to find pleasant things about it, like, um, you know, the silence after a snowstorm, I really like that. And just try to remember like the little things um, and kind of just like, it's not like I'm powering through, but I'm waiting for spring. You know yeah, what I mean? Like the I want spring to come. Yeah. yeah, life is all about seasons really. And dreams too, like I've even noticed that, like my dreams will have seasons and it's just about tapping into like that. And like, if I have a lot of nightmares in a row, like I'll just kind of let it pass, figure out, you know, what it's trying to tell me instead of trying to fight back. That resistance in the dream world, like makes everything harder, lucid or not lucid, you know, you don't want to resist. Yeah, well, um, it's interesting a lot like psychedelic work. So like, entheogens and ayahuasca and uh psilocybin but like my i don't want to like spend too much time on that but i do like making the parallel between working with the unconscious mind through substances and working through through dreams right like i think it's the same thing with different like you introduce a different energy inside a different intelligence if you will with a medicine and like the the dream world i think is the human portal to like the human function it's like a function in the psyche that the dream is to connect us to that reality um and we really don't like going inward as a culture and so we found ways to to get there using extroverted uh 
out, outer world things like ingesting a mushroom, right? And uh, but I think it brings us to the same place. So if you really want to, like I tell, I try to tell people this: you could work with ayahuasca, but you could also go to sleep and work with your dream, um, and it, it will be very similar. And you'll have, uh, except for that, I think dreams bring up more relevant information in a in a way that you'll that your psyche your ego will be able to handle i think the the totality of our psyche is very intelligent and it will bring to you what you are ready for right it won't bring your trauma up that you're not you're still not ready to digest like a mushroom trip might do um and so i think people should spend time learning to integrate dream work um, if they want to like really utilize those stronger medicines. Yeah, I completely agree. I think they're all tools, you know, everything has a tool. You don't want to over, you know, overdo it, but a dream is like the best place to start because like you said, it's like the in-between, you know, between all the dimensions or whatever that we can access every night. It may take longer, you know, but it's easier to digest and even things like meditation and, and things like that. Like these are all tools that we can use to like just elevate our consciousness and like learn more about ourselves. It's, you know, just finding what works for you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, there was something, hold on, there's something you said that made me think of this, but I can't remember the connection here, but uh, I find it really, I find it really interesting or important to work with dreams specifically because um, like we think of becoming healthier and mental health and all of these things in a in kind of a strange way but I really do think that dreams are like a built-in therapist like we were talking about earlier but you have these parts of you that are underneath consciousness right that you are not conscious of and those might be things that you were never conscious of like dormant from birth or things that you repressed or things that were suppressed by the psyche um, because it, you weren't ready for it, to, like an emotion that you couldn't handle or something. Um, and so we're conscious of the things we're conscious of, but there's a whole, it's like everything you swept under the bed, right? Like uh, your room looks really clean, but there's a bunch of shit under the bed. Um, and so dreams are like the thing that like will take whatever's under the bed and kind of like shove it out so that you see it again. And you could shove it right back under the bed or you could pick it up and put it where it's supposed to go. Yeah. And that's where the connection comes in. You have to apply it to real life. And you mentioned this earlier, you know, you have to really take the lessons and integrate them. You know, that's where the lucid living comes in, which is what I call it, which is where you take what you learn in your dreams and really like dive deeper into it instead of like hiding from it. Yeah. And, and it can be scary. I've noticed this. This is something that might be the most important thing I've learned about dreams is when I'm terrified of something, let's say the security guard that's chasing me, if I get back into the dream, either lucid or through active imagination, dreaming, like living the dream on or dream tending or something, there's lots of different words for it, but going back in and turning around and facing it, they, I've, every time I do that, um, something magical happens. Like one time there was a witch at my door and I was terrified, right? Like she was terrifying. And I, in the dream, I opened the door and I body slammed her over my knee, which is really 
brutal, but that's what I did. Yeah, I was terrified. Cool. I was like, ah. it's really a life lesson, you know, face your fears. It's always like the fear is worse than what it is you're scared of the thing itself. Right. But that was an interesting dream because I, I, I opened the door and body slammed her, but I did not ask her what she had for me. Right. And so I went back in and didn't body slam her this time and asked her, like, what are you trying to bring to me? And there was this bubble that emitted from her that everything that it touched, like flowers and life sprung up from. So she was like this scary old witch, but she had this aura that was bringing life. And I felt a jolt of like life energy once I went back into the dream. And these little characters, they have energy, like libidinal psychic energy that if you connect with them, they will share it. So I've like found self-love through dream work. Um, where I tapped into this, this woman, I was like milking, milking, I was feeding four triplets or quadruplet babies in my dream. And I kept on running out of milk for the fourth one. And I was so stressed out. I was like, how am I this baby's getting skinnier and skinnier? I don't know what to do. Um, And I thought it was about all this symbolism and like the four and all this stuff, which there probably is there. But, but then there was this character watching me. And I went back into the dream. And I, I turned around, and I was like, who's this character, right? And I, I all of a sudden was filled with compassion and love for myself, for the effort I was putting in to feed these children. Yeah, that's beautiful. It's, you know, I've heard a lot of people say that, and I've experienced that too, where we have the capability to receive this energy that's way greater than the amount of love that we can feel on earth. Like we're, we can only feel so much as humans, but our like higher self, our spiritual self is capable of like receiving this euphoric amount of like love and compassion. And like, sometimes you get bits of that in your dream and it's like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. No, it makes it all worth it. It gives me like enough energy to keep going. Sometimes I'll be really low, like really depressed. And I'll, I'll like beg my dream. I, I call my dream bringer, my soul, if you will. I call her Ellie. She told me her name was Ellie actually. And, uh, and I will beg her like, Hey, please fill me with life tonight. Cause I don't have enough energy to keep going. And, uh, and I'll have dreams like I had a dream after that once where I went through this temple type thing and got to a room where there was a bunch of my ancestors and my grandmother was there. Um, and I, I told her, I don't know if I can curse on this, but I, I told can, her, I, don't care. <laughs> I told her, uh, life is fucking magical. That's what I told my grandma. And my grandma was very Mormon and very strict. And that would have really offended her in real life. But in the dream, she met me with like a big beaming smile and like the best energy. And I felt this acceptance from my ancestors. Um, wow. And I woke up full of like so much energy. It was really cool. That's super cool. Yeah. Two things you said there that I really thought was cool. Is like how you were asking Ellie, your, your dream guide or whatever for the dreams. Like when I talk about setting an intention, like, you know, you can, everybody has like guides and dream guides or whatever, spear guides, you know, you can ask them like, Hey, can you show me this in my dream? Can I dream about this? Like, show me how to resolve this. You know, you can ask a question and like, it really is powerful. Like, it can really make a big difference and no, um, it's huge. yeah super cool and what was the other thing um 
oh yeah like the ancestral work like that's super cool like you know the fact that you're like breaking and like breaking through you know making all these like healing on you know uncovered things that maybe your grandma when she was on earth like wasn't able to do you know but from the other side she's helping you understanding better you know yeah it felt very much and I went and I talked to my two brothers after which both of them are very rational they're introverted thinkers I'm like a feeler I'm a feeling type I don't uh they're both very rational but both of them were like wow it's like you had this inner feeling of not being accepted by your ancestors your grandma and uh and you had this feeling of being fully accepted for who you are by your grandmother and whether or not that's spiritual whether or not my grandmother was in my dream it doesn't matter because i healed that part of me um I also wanted to mention, I love like, I just, I just thought of this, like, it's so interesting. I had this really uh, bad taste in my mouth for the word spirit guide for so long, because it sounds so woo woo. And I'm like, I have a really hard time if I can't approach something from some small rational door. Um, but I realized like, I, what I really like is Carl Jung is like this rational doorway for me, but he uh, called this part of the, it, he always was trying to explain things scientifically, but that was like really rough for him. Like he, I think he much would have much rather been just a spiritual person, but he felt so much obligation to try to get it to be accepted by the scientific, the academic world. But he would explain this bringer of dreams, this part of the psyche, a function in the psyche he called the anima or the animus, which was like the animating um part of the the psyche and or he called it the soul um and i think it's really interesting because we talk about spirit guides and it really is the exact same thing where you're going in where you're meeting a, a part of your own psyche that is and when and psyche is way different than like a part of your brain or a part of your uh like the psyche is has depth into dimensions right like that's what's so weird it's a well of in fact now that i'm thinking about it, it's like the psyche itself is like a little white hole or black hole the one that things spew out of and uh our realities are created by all these little white holes which are our psyche or something like that i'm very explorative with thoughts i've never thought of it like this um and so i'm kind of in a midst of exploring a new idea with you but um, yeah it makes sense the way you're putting it into words yeah so that that uh spewing out from a, a the ether or from like a different dimension into our reality um there's the the guides between the two it's like a train that connects the inner world and the outer world um and i met her and I met her on a train in my dream, which is really funny. And we were going on a journey and we were going to hit all of these hauntings is what she called them, which I have translated to complexes, which is interesting. But the, uh, I asked her her name and she's like, I'm Ellie. And she told me like all of these myths, like my dream world has its own myths, which is really interesting. Um, and uh, anyway, so I've been looking at it as like, Ellie is my anima, my the animating part of my psyche. But really she's, it's the same thing as saying she's my dream guide. Uh, that was a very long-winded way to say 
I think anima and dream guide, anima animus and dream guide are the same thing. Yeah, I, I think so too. I'm going to look more into that as well. Yeah, I, it's interesting because it was very polarized masculine feminine in Jung's day. And I think nowadays a post Jungian would talk about anima animus as showing up uh, non uh, gendered essentially, but like he talks a lot about how like an anima is what a male would have and an animus is what a female right, would have. Yeah. But it, in our day and age, I think the psyche is evolving in some ways. Uh, the polarization of energy embodied in people is changing. Um, and so the, a, the animating function, the dream guides, they show it very differently, I think. Yeah, it makes sense. And like, you know, Young, his like, I love his work as well, but he was working with what he knew at the time in the same way he took Freud's work and, you know, which was very clinical based and took that to a new level, you know, and now we are taking Young's and taking that to a new level based on what we know now. So I feel like right. it's all connected for sure. No, that's a good, I like that. It's a good point. And speaking of that, I think the biggest difference in my practice of dream work is, and I, and I notice this with people are like, They'll comment on a TikTok. It's like, what does this dream mean? Oh my God. I, yeah. And, uh, funny. and I think a lot of people think like, when I say I can help you analyze your dream or whatever, I like the idea of being like, well, this is a symbol that could mean this, this, and this, and this, and this. Um, and maybe because I was in the treehouse, it's referencing like a childhood behavior that I've been doing since then and blah, blah, blah. But there's, so there's importance to that. But the reality of it is that the, the biggest growth leverage like the most growth is in embodying the emotion that is brought to you in the dream yes for sure the emotion tells you so much and just like the overall like vibe of the dream right you don't even need to analyze it you can literally go back in and just feel it yeah exactly and the thing about like dream objects and stuff and finding out what does this mean what does that mean like your perspective of what a dog means might be completely different than what a dog means to me you know so like to when I help people like analyze their dreams it's more about like, I can tell you what type of questions to ask and how to approach the dream, like what to look at instead of telling you like, oh, a dog means this, because I can't tell you what your dream is trying to tell you. Like you have your own personal dream language with your dreams. And so, you know, it's about helping people like tap into that feeling of like, what is my dream trying to tell me? Like, what is my subconscious language, you know? Yep. Yeah. And I think Jung saw patterns and was like, well, you could, you know, generalize if at a specific level, but um, sure, yeah. But it's still more dangerous, I think, to uh, tell people what their dreams mean to, than what you're saying is like help them guide them into understanding what their dream means themselves. Yeah, exactly. And there's this dream interview theory um, or uh, what do you call it process um, by Gail Delaney, if anybody's interested in looking it up. And the way she approaches it is she literally asks all the questions like if I were to like for example your dog dream if I were to explain what a dog is to you if as if you had never ever seen a dog before like what is a dog what is its personality what does it do like what does it look like what does it feel like like if you were explaining it to like an alien you know right. and it sounds kind of silly but those kind of questions can really help you figure out like oh okay well a dog is something like scary or a dog is something you know depending on what it is to you and those questions can kind of open up the conversation of like oh well maybe that's what that feeling is you know mm -hmm. yeah and that's kind of you're diving into i think and correct me if i'm wrong but into what symbolism really is which is it's like this dog is a dog but if we were to break down in all of the different ways that the 
that my understanding, what my understanding of a dog is, it gets very abstract, right? Like, um, it gets into, like, it's not like a four-legged mammal. It's like, um, it can get into like the evolution of, um, of the wolf into the dog and like this, um, taming of the wildness in a beast. Right. Or, or, yeah, there's so many different abstract relationships for me, whereas someone that grew up with the dog, it might mean like the most comfortable thing in the world. For me, it's like a almost a wild animal that might attack me. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Yeah, it's cool. We're all different, you know, and dream work is such a personal journey, but it's fascinating to just like have these conversations to like just encourage people to start writing their dreams down. Like that's the very first step. Even if you don't know what a dream means, write it down because you might figure it out later. Yes, I've come back to dreams very often, very, very often. Um, Speaking of like, I am going to do a retreat in September in Tulum, Mexico, and I'm, I'm bringing like, I have 10 spots and I'm going to be teaching like how to work with your dreams and tarot as well. I don't know if you're into tarot, but tarot to me is a very, very similar. It's very similar to dream work um, where you're kind of just projecting the unconscious mind onto symbolism rather than letting the psyche create the symbolism. You're using more archetypal universal symbolism to, to interact with your unconscious. But, um, but like my goal is to start doing more and more of these retreats to really help people with what I'm calling integration tools, right? Like we're trying to integrate that non-rational unconscious mind into our consciousness. And uh, Jung called it like, I think the relativization of the ego. We're trying to make sure that we know that the rational mind isn't everything that there is. There's a whole nother world. There's a whole nother half to our reality. And uh, we spend all of our time over in this other half. And when you're polarized like that, that's where, um, that's where like sickness comes from essentially. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's a good point. Um, go ahead. Well, no, no, I, I just was like, I don't know if I actually made a point there. There was a point, but it kind of felt very... Uh, <laughs> no, but I, I wouldn't know what you mean. Um, that I was thinking about your retreat, and I also like wanted to give you a second... I mean, I know you kind of gave an intro at the beginning, but um, like, um, tell me a little bit about like what you've been doing, like what you do, where people can find you, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I'd love to. So, um, So I'm a personal coach. I'm a depth coach. I don't just work with dreams. I work, I do use Jungian um, concepts, but I've been studying a lot of post-Jungians, like with post-Jungians. And I do, so yeah, one-on-one work with people. I am moving into doing uh, retreats, like traveling to beautiful places to connect to the soul, to connect to the, the unconscious through um, sort of detaching from our reality, like from not our reality, but like the habitualness of your own daily life and going somewhere beautiful, learning dream tools, learning tarot tools. My, my goal isn't to interpret people's dreams. It's to build their own personal relationship with their dream, right? That's what's important is that you walk away knowing how to connect, how to get into dialogue with your dream. Um, 
we all have, like you were saying, a personal guide, um, a counselor, as my as my mentor calls it, the the uh, the wise counselor who is waiting to help us. She doesn't really jump in and help if you don't ask. She's kind of patient and she's like, no, they'll they'll come to me when they need me. And uh, and so I want to teach people how to get into a relationship with that. Um, creativity, addiction, all of these things uh, that like our entire life can be affected positively by doing dream work. Um, your relationship to money, right? Like I'm using dreams to help fix really old complexes of, of around like, and when i say complexes i mean just um strong beliefs about money that i'm unconscious of uh that i only can get money if i'm doing something i don't like doing that's like a very common belief um that is unconscious in most people anyway so <laughs> i do one-on-one -on -one work with people you can find me through TikTok, Instagram, there's always going to be a link in my bio where you can book a free session with me, not a full session, like 15, 20 minutes where we can talk. I also love guiding people into two resources. So like, let's say you don't want to work one-on-one -on -one with me. I know other coaches. I know uh, podcasts that you can listen to, books you could read, you know, all of the things. So I just like talking to people um, that gives me energy and I love doing it. So they can do that. I also have a link in that bio to that retreat. I'm going to be doing more retreats next year. Um, and potentially the idea is that I am bringing more and more experts and less and less me so that I, like I learned from a bunch of people, right? I would love to be able to bring those people in to help teach. Um, I like the idea of me being more of a curator and uh, an energetic, like exciting mixer um yeah so if people want to come to tulum with me uh that's in september you can book a spot like reserve your spot for like 350 uh 350 and pay it in in increments and uh i'm very excited about that it's gonna be super intimate um and then i have that podcast i call it suspending disbelief uh it's on itunes and podcasts and uh spotify whatever cool. yeah awesome yeah the retreats thing is so cool that's kind of like i feel like we're on similar paths because you know uh, i eventually want to get my own land and do dream retreats and stuff like that and just like mm. bring people together you know so um that's really cool i'm gonna check it out and um yeah. we should stay in touch about it too because i'm planning on my goal is to have the biggest network possible um and just bring everyone together all the time you know Cool. Yeah, I support anything I can do to support. Um, I know you're going to use this for your podcast, too. So if you need anything for me, like an intro or something or how yeah, do you no, want to do I, that? Like, do you just want me to edit it or do you want me to just send you this audio recording? I like the non-edited, but what do you um, what would you prefer? Do you want us to because I could let you edit yours, put it out and then I could just put out the unedited on mine. So there's yeah, you can. Different. Yeah, that's true. I, I edit like I'll just like kind of you know rearrange and stuff yeah I don't edit it too much I just kind of take out any like you know big gaps or if I'm like um too much I don't know you know things like that just like little stuff and I'll add like a little music and maybe an intro or I'll probably cut your intro and put it in the beginning something like that yeah I I would love for you to do to tell us about you and I'd also I don't know if you're you need to go right this second but if you would like tell 
slightly more um i kind of forgot i i feel like i talked way more than you and i would love to hear more of you but we could also do another call if you wanted to yeah either way um i mean i still have some time like i could talk like another 15 20 minutes but um if you want to i i don't mind i love doing this we can do another one where i can talk more either later today or another day whatever works but yeah but i can get into it for a bit well why don't we just yeah let's just hear more about you and your relationship i i personally would love to hear um who you are what you're doing um like how people can find you why they should find you and then um what i'm very curious of people's like on-ramp to working with dreams like how did you really commit to it i suppose um so basically I've always been fascinated by dreams like since I was a child I never really paid attention to it or thought that there was you know this was something that I could like work with deeper but I always thought it was cool you know I kind of had lucid dreams as a kid um but then in college or I started studying psychology and neuroscience and stuff like that and I kind of started to open it up um but really let me think really it was kind of like my spiritual awakening journey which was a result of you know some difficult times in life like everybody you know and also some psychedelic stuff you know um so that kind of opened up a world of like okay there's more out here but like where do I fit in right um and then I think it was just a period of like really depression like I kind of started to use my dreams as like an escape like you know like I started to induce lucid dreams because I just started to do some research and I found out like oh like I can have more lucid dreams on purpose like that's cool so I kind of just started to do it for fun as like an escape from reality and it ended up making me appreciate my life more because I started to just realize like all the potential there Um, and so I started keeping a dream journal like three years ago and that was my biggest the biggest thing for me you know once you start keeping a dream journal you know I committed and I'm not saying I was always super consistent with it but I started to care about my dreams and then I just about starting a podcast or just teaching about it it was just a regular dream which kind of gave me the idea which is kind of funny so um wait the dream gave you an idea to do a dream podcast yeah it did or a podcast I didn't know it was going to be about dreams I I just had like a dream where I was like podcasting or whatever and I hadn't ever thought of a podcast ever so I thought that was cool but before that was like a year before I ever started the podcast so Mm -hmm. for like a year from like 20 19 to 2020 I had this idea in my head like I want to do a podcast but I don't know what just because I had all this trippy cool stuff to talk about and I wanted to talk about it that's basically what it was you know I just wanted to talk about cool stuff um and then after COVID um I joined like a I had joined just randomly off of finding some people on Reddit like a group chat about dreamers and stuff and when I joined that group chat it just really inspired me more because when you connect with like a community of like people who are into this you know same type of dream stuff it just opened up like a whole new level. I learned so much, you know, like I started to talking to them all the time. And then I was like, Hey guys, you know, maybe I should, then it just kind of clicked to me one day, like, Oh, I could do my podcast about dreams, you know? And then I just was like, okay, I'll call it the dream world. Right. Um, and everybody in the group chat was like, yeah, cool. Like, I'll help you. Like, I'll go on it. Like, you know, cause I was like, guys, like, do any of you want to be on it? And they were like, yeah. So like one of my friends from there was like my first guest or a couple of them were like my first guests. Um, and and that was November of 2020 and then and then it just kind of honestly took off from there I started doing more podcasting I started getting into clubhouse I just started like opening up this conversation and it just started to flow in and then I did my master's thesis on dreams and so now I'm here and then I started TikTok which 
it's going pretty good, but you know, I'm just kind of doing it for fun, but I'm just starting to like use all these platforms to get my message out there and just see where it takes me. Like, I don't really have a plan or like a specific end goal, but it's something that I learned to love. And I feel like there's benefit. Like you said, there's so much benefit in it for everybody. So that's kind of how I started. Yeah. Very cool. I, um, a few things that stuck out to me is like this. I really liked that you sort of pivoted in life based off of your relationship to dreams, especially like this idea of like podcasting coming from your dream. I think that that's actually really common for people that have gotten really into dream work is that it will actually point you in a direction that fills you with life, right? Like that's the point for me is getting connected to that dream world will help you understand what it is to be filled full of lifefulness of spirit if you will and uh and it will guide you towards like i often ask it to help guide me towards what's going to fill me with energy and life right like it makes me feel young again essentially um not that i'm that old but um relatively i suppose but uh i also noticed the relationship to dreams is almost defined by the willingness to journal the dreams and i i I notice this often that people want to work with their dreams and they'll work with it with the one they remembered from a few days ago. Um, but they don't write it down. They don't keep record of it. And I found that the only way to tell the dream that you're really carrying is if you write it down. I agree. I tell people that all the time, like, you know, you could try any method, you can do it any way you want, but writing it down is like pretty key. Like it's pretty important because yeah, you're telling your brain, I care about this and I want to know more and it builds your recall. And then you remember more. Right. I think that's like the most common question I get on TikTok. You'll probably run into the same thing, which is like, how do I remember dreams? Right. And uh, Mm -hmm. actually that's where we met was on a a question of how do you remember? Yeah. I found you responded and I was like, Oh, I like his response. (laughs) Yeah. It's very, very, um, common to hear that question. And, um, for me, it's literally just about the intention. It's, I I think the response is that you have to tell your rational mind, your ego, you have to say, Hey, I know you don't like non-rational, non-linear chaotic soup. Um, but I want you to not dismiss this immediately when I wake up. Yeah. And writing it down when you first wake up is important because you'll notice like five minutes, 10 minutes after it'll start to fade and then the the details fade away. But um, another thing too, is your body position. If you stay in the same position when you wake up, like you said, wake up slowly and just take a second to like, let the dream come back to you. Actually this morning I had a false awakening where I wrote down my dream pretend in my dream. And then I woke (laughs) up like, Oh crap, I have to write it down for real now. But the false awakening helped me remember it. Yeah. That's kind of, yeah, that's kind of funny, like uh, um, doing double the work almost. Uh, I, I don't like writing my dreams down. I think this is important for people to know that you don't, like, I don't take a cold shower every morning because I love it. I do it because of the, the long effects that yeah. I have noticed. I really appreciate it. The same thing with journaling. I don't actually enjoy journaling every time. I sit up in the middle of the night and I get my journal or I get my phone and I write it. I'm like, I don't want to do this, um, but I need, it's building a relationship. Uh, you, you can't rely on a friend that you only check in when you need something from it. You have to maintain True. a healthy relationship uh, with a friend by caring, really. 
And yeah, I it's about consistency, you know, and I see a lot of people too give up, like when it comes to the lucid dreaming, they're like, oh, I tried for like a week and it didn't work. So screw that, you know, but it's an ongoing thing. It's like a lifelong journey. You can't just give up on it after like a week, you know, it's consistency. Yeah. I've been dreaming. I've been doing dream work for four years, pretty consistently. Also, dreams do come and go, right? Like it's, I can't will the dream. So I have dry spells with the three, four weeks. I won't have any dream or like, I don't remember any important dreams or I just stop writing them down for some reason. And then they kind of disappear. Yeah, and then I'll, yeah. And then I'll have like a really loud dream, right. Where I'm like terrified. I actually love having nightmares. Is that weird? No, I, I kind of do too, honestly. <laughs> I like love. I the, wake up I, so grateful. Like the feeling when I wake up, like if I have a really bad nightmare, I'm like, oh my God, I'm so glad that's not real. Interesting. Yeah. I wake up excited. Like I'll have these really intense dreams. A lot of my nightmares are kind of like alien or fourth dimension stuff where I'll get sucked into a different dimension. Uh, like these hauntings, I called them, or my dream world called them. They were like these... Um, glitches so like i would be like sucked into a wall and be stuck like in between a wall um it was almost like a quantum misfunction or whatever right and uh but then i'll wake up after like falling into blackness and uh and it's like boom 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 like i have all this electrical energy moving up and down my body and i love it i don't know what it is and i also will often feel like there's characters in my room when i wake up where i'm like like there's people in here yeah it's really yeah. weird yeah, that happens to me too. And it's pretty common. Um, I responded to a comment about this too. And also it can happen when you're falling asleep, you know, when we have sleep paralysis and we feel all this stuff. Like, uh -huh. you know, for people that don't know, listening to this, like sleep paralysis just happens every night. Your body paralyzes itself. And then, you know, as like a defense mechanism, so we don't sleepwalk or act out our dreams. Um, but if you're consciously aware and you become mentally awake as your body's doing this, you know, you experience sleep paralysis. Some people will experience like vibrations or like sounds like ringing sounds or like you were saying, just like energy shooting through your body. And in my head, like, you know, like my metaphysical explanation is like we're literally moving through dimensions, you know, and like we are chemical beings. So like we experience these like different sensations, different energies. And like sometimes it might you might have fear. So you're like, oh, this is like something bad that's like trying to hurt me. But it might not necessarily be that it might just be you projecting that fear onto it. Right. A lot of times the things I'm very terrified in my room are uh, unconscious characters of my own. So like my own personal unconscious being projected in the world um, visually, like I will see my dream characters in the outer world when I'm in that hypnagogic hip hypno what's the p hypnopompia but you know hypnagogic sometimes i just kind of use that as like an umbrella General, yeah. <laughs> yeah. um but when i'm in that world i feel like the psyche expands i was i did an explanation of this too recently i think my perspective of um seeing characters dream characters when you're waking up or like if you have sleep paralysis and there's the the witch or like the thing that's coming at you or sitting on your chest there are these different things there's this process of switching like you're saying kind of switching dimensions a switching world that um our psyche is actually not just in our brain it's it's a, a magnetic aura probably something like this um like a magnetic field and the perception field like we can perceive our own psyche within a radius around us. So like 
you can actually project your inner content into the outer world. Um, and it's not necessarily hallucinating. It's, it's a, um, you're interacting with your psyche in like this external way. Um, it's really actually hard to explain. I'm not quite good at explaining it yet because I don't fully understand it, but there is this, and, uh, and there's also, what's interesting about that is that the personal unconscious, yeah, that makes sense where it's like, I have these repressed parts of me and I might see them outside of me as uh, evil men trying to kill me or something. Like when I wake up, I'll see this little girl in a pig mask sometimes. And she's like staring at me from my closet. Right. And I, I feel like she's part of me, my personal collection, my personal unconscious, but there is the, the deeper part of that world where like, you know, maybe a character that shows up for me can also show up for you. And we could actually see this character outside of us. Like there's people that have shared experiences and stuff like that. It's very yes, this, the shared dreaming is something that has always fascinated me, but I, I don't know enough about it to, you know, to say this is facts, this is facts. And I don't think anybody really does, but I have heard stories like where people say, okay, I was lucid and I had a dream about my friend and maybe they weren't lucid, but they had a dream about that person the same night. And it was a similar dream. Like this happened to my brother and his girlfriend and they had the same plot of the dream. Like, like were exactly the same like they went somewhere in a car and they got out of the car whatever I don't know exactly what happened in the dream but they both said like they had the same dream and yeah. I think he was lucid so he remembered more details of it because his consciousness was there and she was not lucid so she maybe remembered it more blurry or didn't remember all the details but that that's happened a lot it's crazy yeah it's very interesting I think uh it kind of I think of it like a flower pot or like a flower bed and you have individual sunflowers, right? And it let me and you are two separate sunflowers. And uh, we kind of see each other as separate. But if you go down into the stem, like we're still in the personal unconscious. But if you go all the way into the root system, we're actually all connected into that same dirt. And there's creatures in the dirt. There's like worms and there's all these different things. But they're the worm that is in the dirt is the same worm that you see. And it's the same worm that I see. Like we're, you can go down into the collective unconscious and actually meet the same creatures. But in that connectedness of our roots, I think that dreams kind of stem up from there. So the deeper the dream uh, or the deeper into the unconscious you go, the more likely you're sharing it with somebody. So like, I think you could have collective dreams. I've had dreams that I was like, this is a myth. Like this is a, this is an archetype of human behavior that I'm experiencing in my dream and other people, like I, I, I felt like this is a real thing, right? Like this is, uh, I bet other people dream about the same thing. Uh, it's very interesting. Yeah, that's, that's cool. It, it's definitely, that's a good way to put it. And I can tell sometimes when I have dreams and I'm like, trying to figure out what they mean like sometimes it's a very personal thing but sometimes like we do have dreams about like the collective and the message is more like for a bigger picture you know messages for the collective we all have like we're all experiencing all this crazy bullshit in the world you know a lot of people are having like apocalyptic themed dreams or like covid dreams there was a whole thing about covid dreams so like we're all experiencing this and like i feel like that dream our dreams definitely tap into like similar themes yeah yeah I've had a lot of, I, I love apocalyptic, apocalyptic dreams for some reason. Yeah, I do too. And I'm usually pretty lucid in them because I'm like, oh, this is not real. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I'm actually pretty lucid in mine too. 
not not fully like I don't control it, but I is very vivid and I remember them very well. Um, I remember this one where I I just there was uh, meteors just destroying everything, and I took a friend and I was like, we're just gonna go watch how beautiful this is, and we walked up the mountain and we sat and watched like the world get destroyed is really interesting that is interesting yeah it's definitely like a lot of perspectives there um and yeah you can be semi-lucid where you like know you're dreaming maybe or it's very vivid but you can't necessarily control it right yeah that happens to me a lot i think um but it's hard for me to pinpoint because time is weird in dreams and so it's hard for me to pinpoint at what point i became aware that i was dreaming because it could have been right when i woke up but I, it kind of can be displaced in time that actual realization yeah yeah for sure for sure yeah yeah um i have to go to the bathroom so bad so (laughs) okay do your thing um yeah yeah, i mean should we well how do you want to do this we can end it and then if you want to have another conversation later there's so i feel like we have endless things to talk about yeah no i i it kind of depends we've been talking for what an hour and 15 do you like longer like I noticed your podcasts are kept on the shorter side than mine. Mine are like typically like an hour and a half. Um, yeah, I'm not picky. Like it just really depends on the person. Like some okay. of my older episodes were much longer, honestly. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I would literally, if we just pause this, I would keep talking if you have time or do you need to go? Yeah, no, that's fine. Go use the restroom. Okay, cool. Okay. I will be right back. Hey. Hi, I uh, I want to know what your thesis. What was your master's thesis? So um, it was focused on um, creative dreaming. So I actually, you know, went to school for like um, graphic design, and I do some graphic design. But because I have a psychology background, I was like, I want to do my thesis on something like, you know, that I'm obviously interested in. So um, I had to relate it to the art world, kind of. So. And, you know, when it comes to dreams, like, and my creativity, that's such, and I know you mentioned this too, in your topics, like, my dreams are a big source of inspiration for my creativity, like, whether I'm conscious, 
or you know lucid or not so i talked about lucid dreaming and how different artists you know like salvador dali and modern artists as well like use their dreams for creative inspiration and they you know specific techniques you can do to like you know like push you forward in that way like whether it's your career or whatever so um yeah it was really interesting and i interviewed like some artists um who do it and yeah, yeah that's awesome i love that that's uh there's this woman claire hold on Claire Johnson, Claire R. Johnson, she wrote uh, The Art of Lucid Dreaming, but she, I think, was the first person in the world to do a PhD thesis on using lucid dreaming for creativity. Oh, um, cool. I'm going to check it out. Yeah, she's really awesome. I love her energy. Um, I think she has some courses on Young Platform, which I'm an ambassador for. I point people into um, some cool courses from some cool people, but, um, and I've taken a bunch of their courses too. I really like, uh, that center for information, but, um, I was going to say not only like, I've heard stories about create, I've used it creatively too, but I think what's interesting is even the context of which like scientists have used dreams to, uh, have huge insights, Yes, so many like big inventions come from dreams. Like um, maybe you know about the periodic table. So like Mendeleev, mm -hmm. the scientist, he was working on the periodic table for a while. So he was already working on it, but he was stuck because he couldn't figure out like the order of the elements for some reason. And then he had a little, he had a dream. He took a nap or whatever and he had a dream. And then in the dream, like, I guess he was thinking about it so much. And, you know, the phrase sleep on it comes from somewhere because, you know, our brains are still active trying to solve the problems of our waking life. So in the dream, all the elements just kind of shifted together into place of the periodic table that we now know. And he saw it and he like looked at it and memorized it in his dream. He woke up and immediately wrote it down. And that's how he arranged the elements. Yeah, it's brilliant. I uh, The double helix for the DNA strand also came from a dream, I think, um, like the actual form of it. But um, I can't remember the name of the guy that did it who had the dream but i love this because i've been thinking a lot about the intelligence of the unconscious mind right you have uh what we consider intelligence of rationality or like the you know almost the computing like the computer aspect of our cognition and uh but you take all of this information and you sh you kind of like put it into the unconscious um you for instance with music i learned all of this theory cognitively didn't do me any good until it sunk into my unconscious mind. And then the unconscious mind started using it. And so when I write music, I'm a composer. I do classical piano, like romantic style classical piano. I, I step aside and the unconscious uses the tools that I learned and it writes music. It's really weird because I don't think about theory anymore. Like I don't use the theory but my unconscious mind does um and it will so i step aside jared steps aside a music like experience happens where i watch a song pour out of me that's cool yeah you know what that's fascinating and i a lot of my friends that are like 
musical creatives say something similar. And I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Soul, Disney Soul. No, but I've told. Oh my god, I've been so told good. so many you times. You have to watch it. You have. I'm gonna to watch write it. it down. Yeah. So like, yeah, they have that. They literally describe that what you're explaining so well, where like the musician gets into this vibe and they literally go to like this spiritual dimension where they're creating music and they're like, like you said, their physical steps aside and they're like in the zone. Yep. That's cool. Yeah. It's really interesting because it's very similar to dreams where it's not very linear. It's not very. Uh... And when I mean, what I mean by that is like, we listen to songs with a start, you know, a first chorus uh, or like a chorus verse, second chorus, verse, bridge, whatever. Right. Or even with classical music, it's much more like there's all these different parts, but there's climaxes. And then there's like the, the start, the climax and the end of a song. Right. But when I step aside and it, happens it's it's not linear like that it's a moment in time that is endless it's kind of weird and so the like the song happens but i don't capture it then and i have to then invite my ego back to to decipher to use the the building blocks that i was just given to then put into a song it's really weird so then so it's like this dual process where it's like i let this unconscious mind spew out this soup of of melody and harmony and chords and beautiful things happening and then and I get to experience that like a third person right like I'm like wow (laughs) this is amazing it's not me it's beautiful uh and then I have to be like okay let's put this into a concrete finished project and that is my least favorite part I hate that but that's fascinating that's a life hack yeah yeah no music I definitely I definitely think being forced to learn theory has helped but like I don't use it I've never consciously thought like oh I'm gonna do a you know like a four chord into a a two chord and then uh, whatever I don't think about I don't even know what an augmented chord is anymore which like I was I'm like I studied piano for at least 12 years like hardcore um and i don't remember it like anything i probably would if i just actually spent yeah it's probably hidden in that subconscious you know you just know what sounds good and you just make it happen exactly (laughs) that's awesome that's super cool yeah sometimes i'll even use it as a tool to see how i feel which is interesting so there's the the thing where i step aside and i experience a moment right and then there's also um where I will sit down from Jared, like from my ego and I'll play and whatever I hear is like how I feel. And so it's this extroverted way for me to go inward and see what my inner world looks like. Um, Because I have a hard time slowing down and going inward unless I'm dreaming. Uh, I can check how I'm feeling based on what kind of music I play on the piano. So I'll sit down and some days I'll just like bang on my piano super loud and like I call it like jester, like jester music. Like it's very playful and almost uh, annoying in a way. Uh, like a jester would kind of bounce around, kind of prodding and annoying people maybe. Um, and other days it'll be so gentle and soft or sometimes it'll be very sad and I will be able to be like, oh, I'm feeling sad, <laughs> which is, yeah, it sounds that's ridiculous. So cool. No, it really does come through. I, that, I have that with my art too. And even my handwriting, like when I look back mm. in my journals, I'm like, I know I was depressed that day because of my handwriting. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. My handwriting is just chicken, chicken scratches <laughs> all the time. 
I can't read my right my dreams. Uh, I've been doing it in my phone for years, but I just started doing it in my journal because I feel there's this physical physical like a computer or phone still feels like it's in a different dimension to me whereas like this really pulls it into this dimension you know true yeah one thing I love I always like have this like paranoia that like oh the internet can shut down or what if this app just decides that you know what if they just abandon the app you know like I don't want to lose my dreams so I like they have this feature where I can export it so like once a month or every couple whenever I'll export it to pdf and then I could I could print it out if I wanted to, and that'll kind of give it some physicality, but there's just something like, I do value the handwritten notes. Like I've gotten, I don't know, I don't have the patience anymore, but there's something about writing it down with your hands that like, it does make a difference. Like it's a connect, it's like a mind body connection, you know? Mm-hmm. I also think the stimulation from a screen when I wake up in the middle of the night can mm-hmm. be, can yeah. pull me out a little bit. It does. Yeah. Sometimes I'll voice record and then write it later. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, it does uh, wake you up. The blue light wakes you up for sure. Yeah. Um, There's a few things that I was going to say. Um, oh, with the music, I also have used dreams to fuel songs, right? Because like, like I had a dream once that I, I fell in love with this pianist in my dream. This beautiful, like, well, here's what's interesting. She had a piano. So I met her piano first and her piano was this big piano and it had like a, it had like a roof to it. And someone had beautifully carved this beautiful thing, like a, I don't know what you would call it. It doesn't exist. Like I've never seen this on a real piano. Right. But it was almost like this beautiful home. Uh, and I was like, whose piano is this? It's so beautiful. And like this, these people were like, don't touch it, you know, like, don't touch that piano. And then the director, the musical director was like, you can touch it. She won't care. Like, go ahead and play it. And uh, it was really interesting. And then eventually I met her and I fell in love with her. And the rest of the dream, we like ended up in a cottage in the woods and like we're married for eternity. It was really weird. I don't dream like that very often. Um, But I captured, like, there was a feeling, right? Like of love and of, uh, not like normal human love you know what I mean it's like this really deep spiritual thing and uh I pulled that into a song or I sat at the piano with that feeling and played what came to me and that is one of my favorite songs it's so simple like most of my time I'm like overdoing everything I like because I like to show off I'm like very very like all of these runs and stuff I have very fast fingers and whatever um and this song was just so simple and like um now it's one of my favorite songs ever because it had this dream energy behind it that's cool do you ever like hear like a melody or something in your dream that you really like and then you're like oh I could make that I actually I rarely do my melodies come from feelings sounds really weird but feelings and melodies are the same thing yeah and it makes sense that's cool uh, it does make I, sense. Yeah. Where so I can just embody a feeling and then the melody, my hands do it. I don't actually hear, I don't hear any music in my head hardly ever. I've spent a long time making sure I built up a a tool to not allow music to settle into my mind because it influences me so much if I have something stuck in my head. Um 
where like I can't get away from like a lyric or a mo- like a melodic um, cadence that will just keep going over and over and over again. This is probably something like um, like I would be diagnosed with OCD or something like that. Like it gets very very disruptive, and uh, so I just have gotten really good at not thinking about music. Um, so it's really a very unconscious process for me. Yeah, that's that's awesome. That's really fascinating. Yeah, I think I've always wanted to dream of music, um, but it just doesn't happen. I had a dream a few a month ago, probably, where my mom was singing a song to a baby. It was me, um, and the song she was singing was like I actually woke up and I recorded the melody. I haven't done anything with it. But it was uh, it was interesting because then I went back into the dream and I comforted my mother because I felt that she was terrified of taking care of this baby. Um, and so I was able to comfort my mother who was terrified of comforting me or like oh, that's, sweet. Like that's really a cool thing. trippy loop. Yeah. 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 That's cool. It's like, you know, the reparenting as we grow old, we kind of have to reparent our parents, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is a funny thing about life. It's like. Um, now I'm teaching you how to grow up like that's how I feel with my mom (laughs) yeah yeah I I had a dream kind of like that where I saw myself as a child and I was lucid actually I did it on purpose I thought it would be cool I was like I want to see myself as a child like I just want to tell myself things that I would have wanted to hear you know and I was a very quiet shy child but I saw myself in my dream where I, I intentionally went looking for myself and I found a child so in the dream I was like it must be me but it looked different than what I looked like not too different but you know, but I it still like felt like, oh, this is me as a child. And then I just started talking to myself and like asking myself questions like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And, you know, the little version of me was saying the same things I used to say as a child. So it was it was cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Were you uh, planning? Did you like? Did you have to comfort her or anything? Or was it literally just like a conversation? Um, both like she was very quiet, like she didn't say much, which I was as a child, I was very shy. Um, but I was like, you know, me being me, I was comforting myself and like, just giving myself like words of affirmation and like, you know, just, um, just positivity that I would have needed. And, and she seemed to have responded well. Yeah. Like validating her experience a little bit, maybe. Yeah, exactly. I think that's what we all need. I need that. I need to do that. Yeah, I need exactly. to go back to little Jared and like, hey, bud, it's okay. Like everything you're feeling is normal. Because um, I, I just realized like so much of my childhood, I held in because I thought if people knew about it, I would be rejected from my community. Um, I was very shy as well, but I had so much going on in my inner world. Yeah. Yeah. Same. I was very, very shy, but, but I was thinking like, I remember being a child and having all these existential questions. Like that's how I know that I was just destined to do this, you know, woo woo dream stuff or whatever people see it as. Cause like, I remember as a child being like, what am I like, am I human? Am I in a coma? And this is all fake. Like I used to have these types of thoughts as like a three-year-old. I used to think I was like, is this real? You know, like crazy existential thoughts. Yeah. Did it scare you or was it more fascinating? It, it was fascinating. It didn't scare me. Like, I've never been scared of death. Like, I don't know why. Like, and I've always been like, you know, I grew up like, um, you know, Catholic and stuff, going to church, all this stuff. So like, I just always kind of felt like, you know, this, like, there's more for me to understand. And I was never scared of it. Um, Cause I had scary dreams. I had lucid dreams. So I just felt like 
I wanted to explore my consciousness, you know, and I didn't know how, like I would spin around and make myself dizzy, you know, stuff like that. Oh yeah. Me too. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Me too. Um, it's interesting because I think people can be like that as kids and we either find an inward outlet to that uh, desire for exploration or an outward one. And that typically turns into the drug use, I think. Um, exploring the psyche through manipulating it. Yeah, true. And I did like when I did discover psychedelics, like I've never really, you know, abused any any drug or anything, but, you know, it did like make me want to do it more and discover more. But then I just kind of found like it, it kind of stops doing something for me after a while, like it has to be at the right time. So then I learned very quickly, like when it comes to psychedelics or mushrooms specifically, you know, I, I just let it come to me when I need it, when the universe tells me like, hey, you know, I have something to show you. I just let that happen naturally. I don't, you know, go looking for it or, or trying to find this, you know, escape from reality anymore. Yeah, that's huge. I think everyone I've ever met who has a positive relationship to mushrooms says the same exact thing. Let it come to you. Don't go looking for it. It will happen. Which exactly. referring back to the conversation earlier where I was saying dreams are nice because it will present you what you need. Mushrooms are the same way as long as you're taking them at appropriate times, like when you're called to it. Exactly. You can't just use it with a certain expectation or to try to like escape reality because it's and it can be a scary, bad trip if you're not like using it right. You know, it could be a scary trip, even if you're using it like a lot. Of right. Times, yeah. <laughs> a lot of times it's terrifying for me. But um, as long as you don't fight it, it's a good experience. The fighting of trying to get away from what you are experiencing, which is so metaphorical for I mean it's not even a metaphor that's exactly what we suffer from in this world is mm -hmm. fighting what is you know yeah and also the environment like same thing in life like being around people when you're doing something like that who support you and love you and are compassionate to your trip experiences you know mm. makes a huge difference because the first and only time I ever did ayahuasca which I don't think I needed but it did teach me a lot <laughs> you know it's a crazy crazy story but yeah, the trip guide that I was with was just not it. Like she was just making everything a million times worse. And mm. I think part of it was that, you know, me being like kind of like a trip dream guide, like I kind of had to know what a bad guide is. Yeah. But yeah, it made everything worse. And I, I, I don't know, maybe I did get something out of it. I'm still figuring it out till this day. But that was in 2018. Yeah, I, I, uh, I can imagine like, I've always been hyper aware. I, I love what you just said because uh, about keeping people around you that are supportive of the experience and understand what your intentions are and how you said that's just like in real life because I think that that is huge. I think one of the biggest changes I made when I went from being like a miserable alcoholic person to being the most happy I've ever been in my life and freed from addiction was changing who I surrounded myself with, um, which was so hard because, you know, I had been, I love my friends still, um, but I, I can only see them every six months because I can't, they don't support my reality. Um, not because they don't love me. You know, it's not because it's just, we're very, we have very different values. We have very different uh, type. Uh, I'm like super into cognitive function and like um, personality, like psychological personality type. Uh, and in fact, I actually dream in it now. So I can, I have different characters show up as specific functions 
which is really interesting. So I can like the dream world speaks to me very, very clearly a lot of the times because I've developed a framework that both my conscious mind and my unconscious mind can meet with. Um, very cool. I love it. But um, you have to start like what we're talking about is a very um, we're talking about intuitive things. Some people just don't actually like the dream world, the unconscious mind. They want verifiable concrete data or um, like sensate data. Although the dream world, like you were saying earlier, you can actually have all of that. But um, there's just like, like I'll get laughed at by some of my friends if I talk about experiences that I had, you know? where I just want to explore ideas with people. I don't know what's going on. I don't know anything. Um, and so, but they'll laugh at me like I think I know what's going on or something like that, you know? And so I just had to meet myself with, or like get myself with people that were like-minded and supportive in that way. Yeah, exactly. Like I was telling you earlier, when I started meeting people who are into dreams as well, when I found that community, like it really just, it made me feel like, you know, like I belong, like I'm less crazy. Like I can explore these things that I don't know. And just like, you know, like we're talking about just like, what does this mean? What could this be? Like when you really start to just open that up with people that aren't like, oh, that's weird. That's crazy. You know, it, it becomes way better. Yeah. And I think it, like, so my podcast is called suspending disbelief. And I think a lot of that is this idea that um, being open to not understanding, like not knowing is really important to experience new things, right? There's this openness that is needed to become more conscious, to gain more consciousness. Um, and so if you're constantly being met with disbelief, like, oh, tarot's bullshit. That's how I was for years. This is like, why, how could a card game be create more consciousness in my psyche or whatever, right? Um, but when I finally was able to experience it with an open mind in a rational way, I, I used it like, you know, like the Rorschach ink blot test where they would show ink blots and you project your unconscious mind onto it. Same way you could do tarot. But then I started having weird experiences, right? But it's synchronicities. And like, then I was like, oh, there's layers to this, just like there's layers to the dream world. Yeah, for sure. And we don't even know what we don't know. You know, when people are so resistant to something, it's because they don't know. And that's like usually scary, you know, yeah. to them. Um, but yeah, there, there's so much there. And I've never really fully got into like doing tarot myself, but I, I always knew that for the people that get into it there, there's so much there for it to tell you and I've had tarot readings and stuff but yeah. um yeah it's cool and even with like science and stuff like that changes all the time like people need to understand that just because something is researched in science doesn't mean that's the end goal like we literally until recently well the human genome for example was only figured out like in the late like 90s like we just figured that out like 20 years ago our DNA you know so it's like right and and we used to think up until like five years ago that we can only dream in REM sleep now we know that that's not true so it's like these things change all the time we have to be open to like adapting instead of being so like you know digging our feet into what we think can be true by like limiting ourselves with like you know rationality well that's what's so interesting about the pop science world is that like pop media pushes science with an agenda so it's like um just hardcore confirmation bias, right? Where people are doing studies to confirm their bias. And that's exactly the opposite of what science is. And so we actually have, 
a misconception of what science is in our pop mainstream like uh it's not about studies it's it's about as in like sure there could be tons of peer-reviewed studies that prove something but um but what science is about is disproving your hypothesis yeah true yeah i get a lot of like comments on tiktok like oh let me see a study for this let me see a source for this and i'm like okay i'll show you but don't rely on that to tell you because and also we have people need to realize like all the answers are within us like they are we know everything deep down like maybe not your conscious ego self but deep down we do and so like I, although i love science like i don't rely on that to give me all the answers yeah and it's only one part of the the world there's many many parts of it yeah. um also i'm sure you agree like you've already said you appreciate it and stuff but it's a it's a really awesome uh way of understanding the world it's just we need to understand that it's not the only way of understanding the world uh, yeah, from exactly. a rational yeah perspective you're probably more scientific than i am even i um i have a hard time with science so for instance like peer-reviewed studies because i could pull up something i could pull up like 15 studies that prove one thing and then pull up 15 more that prove the exact opposite exactly i was going to say that too like it, science is only as good as the person conducting the experiment you know like and like we're all just humans with the same amount of knowledge of what's going on on earth like when it comes to the laws of physics and stuff like that the laws of physics are based on our physical reality, like the rules of our physical reality. And like I think you mentioned earlier, our dreams have different rules. Like there's different yeah. laws, you know, they don't operate off of the laws of physics. So when we're talking about dreams, like it doesn't necessarily help to focus on science because it doesn't relate to science. Right. Earth, you know, it's different. It's not the science world, it's, right? Exactly. Yeah. Um. super interesting you said so many things that my brain went into a hundred different directions and now i can't uh remember wh where i wanted to go um but you you studied neuroscience yeah so um in my undergrad i did um um I, my major was i had a minor in psychology and my major was ndv which is neuroscience and biology basically mm. um i just always really loved psychology and science and to be honest I only did that because my mom wanted me to go be a doctor or whatever. Like, you know, my mom's a doctor. So there was like a lot of pressure there. Wow. Um, I did not want to do it at all, but I kind of settled for like psychology because I thought it was cool. You know, it was like a major. I took some cool classes um, and it did like lead me towards this path, you know, which I'm on now. So, you know, it worked out, but I, I knew that I did not want to do medicine or anything like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Super interesting. I thought so many times of going to school for psychology and every time I almost do it, I realized that I don't actually like the academic approach to psychology is very different than what I'm interested in. Exactly. Yeah. Same. I definitely yeah. had to branch out, you know, and do my own thing, but it gave me a good basis, but I don't know, to be honest, it's nothing I could have learned on my own. <laughs> yeah. But, I, just read, <laughs> I just read the books, you know, I'm reading uh, the body keeps the count right now. Oh, I love that one. I have to read it again. I keep seeing it. It's intense, but um, it's helping me a lot. Like I've always looked at things from a very spiritual, um, like energetic level. And I like this because it's, the opposite approach but he's saying the exact same things right like 
I've always been like, okay, the solution to my problem is to build a better relationship with the present moment. Because if I'm in the future, I'm in my anxiety. If I'm in the past, I'm in regret. Um, so if I can be present, uh, I'm, that's where, that's where God quote unquote is, right? That's where, um, the, the kingdom of heaven is within you is what my boy, Jesus Christ said. Um, (laughs) I, I grew up Mormon and I, I'm very not religious, but I love the symbolism of Christianity Mm -hmm. and the, but anyway, so the present moment was always my issue, right? Where I drank alcohol to get pulled into the present moment. It made me comfortable in the present moment. So it was my relationship to the present moment that I needed to fix. And, uh, and, um, I always looked at that from like a spiritual perspective of like, um, I don't even know how to explain it now that I'm talking about it, but with the trauma, like I've been in fight or flight my entire life. And so I really don't like being in my body. So it's really hard for me to be present because the body is what's in the present moment. Um, the mind, it can go all sorts of places, which is interesting actually in context to the psyche being relative to time, but that's besides the point. Um, so the body being stuck in the present moment at all times, if I can get into my body, then I'm present, but I need to fix my relationship to my body so that I enjoy being in the present. Yeah, that's true. I'm, I'm learning that a lot too lately. Cause yeah, like I always have a lot of anxiety. I'm always thinking about, you know, the future the you know, the pat, whatever, and everything but the present moment, but yeah, it's definitely a good lesson too. Yeah. I mean, the truth is, is that I think it's human yeah. to struggle with all that stuff. Like I always wish I could be perfect so that when I'm working with people, I'm like, yeah, you have me to look forward to. Like you get to be just like yeah, me. Yeah, but we learning by teaching, like you learn, you know, I've noticed that too. Like you're always learning, you know, and the more you teach, the more you learn from others. So it's like, it's, that's what we're here for. I don't think it's possible to just be perfect. No, no. That's the thing about the ego too is as we learn new things it also dismisses other things back into the unconscious so we're kind of constantly becoming conscious of certain things and unconscious of other things i think you could like get better and better at holding paradox in your mind so like things that are simultaneously true even though they seem yes two things can definitely be true at once that's the thing i've learned and that's really hard for the human mind to wrap your head around because if like you were saying one thing says one thing this is saying the opposite but it's really a perspective thing like it's relative yeah it's interesting i was just listening to a podcast called personality hacker they do uh cognitive function stuff they're very very intelligent i really like their stuff but they're essentially talking about uncertainty and how we spend our whole like one of the core axioms of like the human experience is to try and get as certain as possible about as much as many things as you can and so when we hold two like seemingly uh opposite things in consciousness at once that's holding uncertainty right like we're not there's no certainty about the fact that this is truth or this is truth it's like no um both of them are true so like there's this desire for certainty that then will dismiss one of those in 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 lower i say lower consciousness but that sounds almost rude in a sense it's that's just what being in like a very dualistic reality is is that you'll dismiss opposites polarities like 
the right and the left, right? Like government, they utilize that polarity to separate people. Uh, yeah, that's a big one. And then when you really get deep into your spiritual awakening, which I noticed recently, you realize that they're both the same. Like they are the same people on the other side of the veil. They're just picking a side based on what they think will win or control people. And like, I've become so detached from politics and I'm trying not to, because I know it's important to like know what's going on, but it just all is seeming so fake to me that I just, I can't. Yeah. I have a hard time with it too. I, uh, the only reason I pay attention is because I feel social pressure too. Um, but I honestly don't think we have a lot of say anymore. Um, and we people don't. probably get mad at me for saying it's that. It's true. But. Your vote. I'm sorry. I don't think my vote matters. I just no. don't. They're going to do what they want to do regardless. It's all part of the control. Make you think like you have to vote for one or the other blue or red, but really it's the same people. All, yeah. they all They're all the same and they all suck. Yeah. I do believe in more localized uh, participation on my part. Yeah, I think local elections matter, but I don't know about the big ones. It's still hard for me to do the local stuff. I'll be honest with you. Yeah. My brother is kind of like my balancing force in that because he's very political science and he's like, let's go vote. And like, he knows what's going on. And like, I always ask him, like, he's like my Google, like I ask him everything, but um, yeah, he kind of even agreed with me. He was like, yeah, like the local elections is where change can actually happen because it's more so like, you know, I don't even know the terms properly to be able to explain it. <laughs> yeah, me neither. We'll just stick to our. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll stick, stick to, to what lane. we know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Very interesting. That duality of well, that certainty and uncertainty is. I think. Uh, I actually think that people don't like dreams because they are. Not grounded in any type of concrete certainty. Um, like the ego really likes, I say this a lot on my TikTok, likes linearity. It likes rationality. Um, it wants to be grounded in certainty, which is why people love dogmatic religion. That's why people love dogmatic science because it yeah. makes them certain. Exactly. That's true. And like, what was I going to say? Yeah. Like we always just want to know the answer. And that takes us away from the present moment too. Like you were saying, like, always wanting to know the answer and yeah it's crazy and even the whole thing about religion it just it gives us a framework of something that takes us away from the whole purpose of what jesus was even talking about to begin yep. with like right. jesus was jesus i don't think he would be about everything that's going on no right he literally now. was he like literally, <laughs> his whole point was like stop paying attention to these the church literally and he was yeah. just an ascended master who he was not even christian he was jewish by right. where he was born and like yeah, it's funny how how we've twisted it so much. Yeah, well, it turned into a very, very powerful, powerful uh, government, essentially, um, which is, yeah, I live in Salt Lake City, Utah, and our government is Mormon. It's the Mormon church. It's very interesting here, um, which isn't supposed to happen, but it did. <laughs> um, very strange, but uh, it's slowly changing because more and more out-of-state people are moving here, but um but i was gonna say yeah i don't know religion's interesting because there's so much truth there that is utilized to manipulate um which is the worst kind of manipulation i think 
Yes, it's true. It's utilized for control and to divide people because the crazy thing is all these religions and all these theories, thought schools of thoughts, they all have truth to them. They all have their own perspective based on their cultures and where it emerged from, you know, perspectives of real events. But we've distorted the image just to or, you know, they use it yeah. for yeah manipulation. It's, it's sad even and now it's even evolved to this new age spirituality thing. And, and I feel like I can just see the evolution of that becoming something and i don't know where it's gonna go but yeah that's a really good point i think i don't uh there's like a big spiritual community that meets next door all the time and i don't feel like i belong there which is really interesting and i think a lot of it has to do with um adopting i think what is really important is being able to hold space for people using a different framework wearing different colored glasses to see the same thing so it's like we might we're talking about dreams and i think we both have a different approach but we are talking about the same things right and i think that's really important to remember that the human experience actually is very very similar from one person to the next um and we just try to find language to explain it um that's why i really don't like music critiques which is interesting because i'm like no they're just expressing their their experience if uh, there's other types of music there's very egoic music and i can i can get behind critiquing that i don't care but when it's like someone's bearing their soul and then you're like oh no that's shitty it's like no that it's their subjective experience like there's no judgment to be made yeah and music tastes are so relative to like how you grew up you know it, they're what yeah, you it doesn't, used to. i'm also not saying you can't dislike or like music but to tell someone that they need right, to exactly. change the way yeah. they express themselves is, is interesting. Yeah, agreed. I'm not about that. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you've listened to Kendrick Lamar's new album, but I'm a big fan of it. I think it talks a lot about some of the... I haven't the finished. Stuff. I haven't finished listening to it, but I, I checked it out briefly. Yeah, I really like it. But anyway, um, well, very cool. Do you have anything else you want to talk about before we go? Hmm, I don't know. Like what any do you have any questions or something? I can't know. I mean, I could talk about lots of different things, but um <laughs> I think uh well let's I want to I want to tell you that I'm very interested in like participating in anything that you would like I don't have I have a hard time creating community, I think. Or I got followers, but I'm like, I have like a discord of a hundred people and like none of them talk to each other. It's like, really? they're always just looking to me for answers and I'm not a guru. Like, I don't want that. Right. Like I want, yeah. I'll I hook want... you up. I have a really, really great community. So I have a WhatsApp group with 200 people in it and I'm an admin in it, but I barely, honestly, I barely contribute. They always like, you know, it just does itself. That's really cool. And then like I was telling you about the clubhouse thing. Yeah. Um, we, we could totally do like I do twice a week on clubhouse and sometimes like if I meet someone like you who wants to like hey let's do a clubhouse room I have a clubhouse group um, it has like two almost 3,000 people in it but you know they're not all online at once you know right, right. Um, but um, yeah sometimes I'll just start a room about whatever random topic and it's kind of like a podcast but like interactive yeah. and you can save the audio too and use it as a podcast episode um mm. and you can open up the stage and people come on and like oh i love what you're talking about i have a question or i have something to share you know so it's kind of like what we're doing but with like 20 people, people watching you know? yeah yeah and it's it's really cool 
Yeah, I would love to do that. I would love to know more about the WhatsApp stuff. I think uh, more than for me to talk, like I want places that people that are, I want to be able to guide people that want to interact with people to a better place, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, yeah. Clubhouse is definitely the place for that. We should yeah. schedule a room um, just so you can kind of see. I have one on Tuesday if you want to just see what it's like. I think, didn't you pop into one the other day? I, I popped in, but I couldn't stay long. Yeah, um, yeah. That was just yeah. a little check-in. It wasn't nothing big, but, um, but no, yeah. No, it's cool. I, I haven't really interacted with Clubhouse much, but I actually really like the context of being like, I could interact with a few people that I see a lot on my TikTok who I never get to actually like interact with, but without co- over committing to like a relationship of some sort. Exactly. Yeah. It's very like, it, there's a boundary there. And I've honestly just started to kind of get more consistent with it because I've had this group and I haven't done as many clubhouse rooms, but I'm realizing like, this is something that I could really like, you know, build on. So I like the platform and I would be willing if you're willing, I'd be willing to like, yeah, we should schedule something. a room. Yeah. Um, I mean, you let me know when you have, I'm pretty free on it and we can schedule it in advance. So I can kind of post it on Inst- like maybe a week or two in advance. So I can yeah. post about it on Instagram, like, you know, join in or whatever. Cool. But I even if that. you're like randomly like, Hey, are you free today? Let's do a clubhouse room. I'm, I do that too. So. Cool. Okay. Yeah. I'm spending a lot of time in the next three months trying to be online, doing live things, interacting with people. I'm trying to get the the event my retreat i want people who are interested in learning more about dream work i like i want those signups and it's you know there's a, a select crowd that's going to be interested in going to tulum with me but i i want to get that out there and also that i'm going to be doing this consistently yeah oh i would um, be interested if i wasn't so broke <laughs> but maybe i'll catch you next year yeah yeah no maybe you'll run into a big cash big chunk of money here too like um that that happens it does no that's i mean that's how i live my life you know i'm past the whole working for other people and being miserable thing so oh me too i'm trying to monetize tiktok podcast everything i'm just trying to do what i love and make money but we'll get there (laughs) yeah no it takes time i'm i'm up and down like at the beginning this year i was in it you know i was making money and it was very fun and then it just completely dropped out and now I can feel momentum again. Oh, People you know what else we can do? We should go live on TikTok together. I was I was waiting to finish yes. this to say the exact same Sorry, thing. Sorry, yeah. yeah, it just no. popped into my head. We should do that. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm down I think to help, that would be really to help each other. Yeah, because we have similar goals, you know. And I'm all about like lifting people up with me, especially people that come on the podcast with me. Like, you know. Yeah, and I've talked to a lot of people. I've met a lot of people on TikTok, but I feel like our um, our perspectives align a lot more than usual with people I talk to like I love talking to everyone but it's it's nice to kind of share a very similar perspective or approach to yeah yeah and I think our conversations flow really naturally I think people will enjoy it yeah I'm trying to be pretty like get more into it like consistent like you know weekly something on clubhouse something on live whatever so I mean you just let me know Uh, I would be down to I'm I need to be more consistent too. I go live. If you ever see me go live, you can hop on and request to um, hop on with me, but we could also plan something for TikTok. I've, I get, you know, like I did a live, I usually just answer questions. Boom, boom, boom. And I'm very hot. Like I I burn really hot where Mm -hmm. I can just go, go, go for like, I did two and a half hours a few days ago, just answering questions. And, uh, and I got like 40 followers and like, 2500 people stopped in it like throughout the whole thing um and like 
got a lot of information out there. Got, so like, I really like doing live stuff because lots of magic happens from yeah. like actually interacting. Yeah, and I know the TikTok algorithm likes it like when you go live too, so. Oh, my, my for the two hours that I was live, I got like tons of like people liking tons of my videos. I was like, oh yeah, TikTok pushes my stuff if I'm live because it wants me on the on the app. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. True. I, I tried to go live a couple times, but I, I'm still new to it. So I definitely I, hope. I, I'm good at it. I'm good at it now. Cool. Um, I wasn't at first, you know, but yeah, I'm, it's awkward at first. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. Sure. I'm, I'm pretty free. So you cool. let me know. Um, I'm about to go out of town for a week or from Wednesday to Sunday, but we could do something on tiktok before that if you wanted to or yeah yeah wait I'm down. we'll get back but Either. um what's that sunday monday monday might be okay or tuesday would actually be good too either um so tuesdays tuesday i do clubhouse um so we can either do before or after would yeah. you want me on that tuesday clubhouse or no yeah, if you want to, if you want to join in, you're totally welcome to. Tuesdays, I do. Um, I host it with my friend Martin, who I told you about, who I did my first clubhouse with. I met him in the WhatsApp group, and he oh. he. Um, I mean, you're welcome to join. I'm just telling you about him. He um, he studied lucid dreaming in like Buddhist temples with monks and stuff, so he has cool. a really cool background. So we do specifically rooms about dreams, and we just you know open up conversation and stuff, and you would totally fit right in. Um, cool. So that's that. But, you know, I like doing other topics, too, because I always focus on dream topics. But now I'm like, we can do, you know, some like young stuff. We, we can open up a talk about anything. And then usually on Clubhouse, people will just take it and run with it. And it's a really good community. It's a lot of like minded people. Cool. Yeah, I'm down. I'll join. And whether I participate or not is, is up to the flow. Yeah, right, right. Um, but let's tell me what time that's at. And then maybe we can schedule. Do you get burnt out? Or are you? Are you kind of go mode all day? I'm go mode. <laughs> okay. So we could, we could do a live after. We could do, yeah, exactly. We could do a live right after. As a matter of fact, I like that. Cause I'm already in the mode, you know? Yeah. 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 Do you, it's going to be, Tuesday where, at where one, are you, what's your time zone? Eastern time. I'm in Georgia. In Georgia. Okay. You're an hour behind me, right? Yeah. I might be two hours behind you. It's one twenty-three here. Oh, it's three twenty-three. Yeah. For me. So what time is your TikTok or sorry, your clubhouse? um it's gonna be at two on tuesday i believe two on tuesday for me so 12 for you 12 okay so i have two calls um during that first hour so i might not be able to make it but well, should we schedule something uh for how long do you usually go mm, usually no more than an hour should we give it a little bit of time and schedule for to go live uh, on TikTok. Go live on TikTok. We could do two. Well, sorry, I'm trying to do the conversion to your time. Uh, we could do like 1 30 or 2 p.m. my time, which is perfect. Uh, like which four. is the, right now. Right now. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. Let's do that. What time? Two? Should we plan on two to give you plenty of time or do you want to? Um, yeah, we can plan on two. And then, I mean, we'll stay in touch, like, if anything. But we can plan on 2 p.m. your time. So, for okay. my time, just to make sure. Okay. TikTok live. For this um, Tuesday. I want to type you. Do you know your personality type? 
Yeah, a mediator. Um, I don't know Myers-Briggs. Oh, oh, what other personality type? Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. So, so Carl Jung came up with cognitive type and then Myers and Briggs took that um, and added perceiving and judging. But I use cognitive function, which is more related to his original, but it also utilizes the four letter dichotomy, but it creates a eight function, um, like where your personality or sorry, where the eight functions show up, the eight functions that Jung developed, where they show up in order in your personality. So I use Myers-Briggs to, as like a decoder for your functions, but I don't know anything about like yeah. the nicknames and like the, the commercial Myers-Briggs. Myers-Briggs is a company now and I don't yeah. know anything about that. Okay, yeah, I, I have to look it up. I'm not okay. sure. Well, I'm just curious because I use it a lot when um, like coaching and stuff and mm -hmm. it helps me understand people's well, maybe you can help me figure it out. Like yeah, no, I would love to. Yeah, <laughs> cool. I'm curious because you seem, I thought one thing for a second, but I think once you got more comfortable with me, it kind of switched. Not in a bad way, in a really like, you just seem more comfortable towards the end of the conversation. I mean, um, which is normal when you're meeting someone for the first time, right? But um, so I thought you were maybe like a extroverted thinker. Would you say you're thinking a thinking type over a feeling type? Like even without knowing what that really even means. Okay, without knowing what that means, yeah, maybe thinking. Do you uh, make Both. better decisions if you lean into, like, um, like if you're making a decision, what's more important? Um, every variable or the human variable like even if the human variable is included in making a decision is there also a bunch of other variables in making decisions or is it mostly just like how you feel or how other people feel kind of both you know i don't know actually like that's a hard question for me to answer because i overthink i'm very introverted i overthink a lot and i definitely like look at all the factors and overthink like how other people feel more than I focus on how I feel. But recently I've been trying to like make more intuitive decisions. Sure. I'm very indecisive though. So that's why I, I don't know. It's hard for me to answer. <laughs> yeah, know. no, no, that's okay. I mean, that, I want to figure it out though. I feel like it'll help me figure it out. Yeah, no, I, I would love to help you figure it out. And, and that answer in it of itself points me in a direction of, for your personality. Yeah. Um, that's what is interesting about profiling people is that no answer is wrong or whatever, right? Um, sure, yeah. But uh, you definitely seem like an intuitive type. Uh, yeah, for sure. People can't talk to me as long as you have that aren't intuitive type because we're in the clouds a lot of the times and uh, that can get exhausting for sensing types. Uh, but anyway, I would love to at some point, we could even, I could probably eventually pull a very large crowd for cognitive function. There's a big world out there for personality type. It'd be interesting because I think that it's related to dreams in a bigger way. It's not fully flushed out in my framework yet, but mm -hmm. dreams are very important with the development of personality, I think. Um, so eventually I'm going to be talking more about that stuff. Cool, yeah. The, the cool thing about Clubhouse is it's good for that. If you have um, a large crowd that you say, hey, come check out our Clubhouse chat on this day, you know, what I've done is like, 
when I've had big guest speakers and stuff, like we can have a conversation before we open up the stage for people to come up and ask questions. Like we can moderate how interactive people are. So like right. sometimes I'll open the room and we'll all just talk together and we'll go through the stage, everybody's sharing. But in bigger rooms, like we'll, you know, the moderators will talk about whatever. And then at the end we'll be like, okay, raise your hand or come to stage if you want to contribute or ask a question, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's Super cool. cool. Yeah. I don't know how responsive my TikTok following is. Um, that's something I haven't necessarily uh, TikTok is difficult. It's different than any other platform because you yeah. don't really know how many of the followers you get are engaged or seeing your content at yeah, all. Yeah, true. Like I'll get like 500 views on most of my videos, you know, and I have yeah. si almost 60,000 followers. Yeah, yeah, I'm learning too. It's definitely a work in progress, but I think we're on the right path. So. Yeah, no, I think I think. When did you start? TikTok. Um, I okay. I started taking it seriously, like february january february like just recently like this year i've yeah. been kind of fucking around with it like since you know like since november but um i mean i had one video do really well in i really honestly did not take it seriously until i had one video that got like eight hundred thousand views right. and then after that i was like i got a lot of followers in a short amount of time and then i realized like if i am consistent right now i can like ride this wave so ever since that day ever since march 26 i think it was i've been posting every single day and it's been like i went from like 500 followers to like almost 7,000 in two months yeah no i think you'll i think you'll grow really really quick i think you'll get more followers than me very quickly i think um i started tiktok in uh november in the end of october um that's really good but i posted almost every day up until recently and i've totally plateaued but i just am like it's not actually worth i've got followers if if i can't do something with sixty thousand, i can't do something with one hundred and sixty thousand. you know what i mean yeah not necessarily i mean i think it just depends on like you were saying how engaged are those followers and how much you know like how consistent are they right. it's hard i really don't know i'm figuring it out but we'll see i think the best thing both of us could do is actually start interacting with each other and yeah. finding other people to interact exactly. on tiktok yeah i agree i think so too I've got it in my calendar.